greatness within you. And the only way to the next level of your greatness is through your frustration. The most faithful people are the most frustrated people. Why? Because they're committed to the cause. They're dedicated. They're deeply engaged. In everything that you do, you give it your all. And when you give it your all, you expect results. Well, go through the pain. Deal with it. Deal with the hurt. and even your spirit. Be willing to do whatever it takes. Be willing to do what no one else wants to do. Tell yourself, I'm going to fight. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be better. I'm going to keep fighting. Be thankful for that frustration because without it, you may have never known how great you really are. Let that frustration push you into greatness. It's either going to bury you or make you great. Let's go. Hello, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back. If y'all would, gather up. It's good to get out and exercise. I tell you, um, I don't get enough of it. And the Lord, he created us men to move and be adventurous and go up and down and get the blood pumping. And I know I certainly feel better um, out after taking a hike, eating lunch come back in and get get ready for this session and we we are you guys are in we're all in for a treat and so uh, I'm going to introduce our next speaker and uh, in the process I'm going to go ahead and give my testimony because I'm telling you once this guy gets rolling you don't want him to shut down and listen to me <laughs> we want to let him roll and so uh, so yeah I'm going to give you a quick testimony and you know I was thinking while I go during the walk is uh, one, of, one thing that I'm really afraid of is heights. And <coughs> on the uh, on the rappelling last year, I had a group of group of buddies talk me in, our fire team talked me in to going and, and going down the, uh, the rappel ropes. And I tell you, the process of that is that I had to start, I had to trust those guys and they had to influence me. And then we had to go down there and we had to get our helmets and we had to crawl up the mountain. And then once we get up on the mountain, the scariest part for me, you're up there 100 feet and you're not clipped on. And you're thinking, what in the heck am I doing up here? And then you clip on, you walk out, you get instructions, and, and you start down. Okay, so spiritually speaking, folks, this is, this is man, this is where, this is where we're, we're going to get our helmets and our harnesses on, okay? And, and we're going to walk up this mountain the rest of the weekend. And we're going to latch on. And when you get latched on, that's what you're trusting. That's the word of God you can trust. It is a foundational. It will not let you go. And when you start down that blue rope, your hands are going to be sweating. And you're going to start. Things are going to come out. And you're going to be confessing. And the Lord's going to be working on you. And it's going to be counterintuitive. When you, to lean back it is the, the strategy. But you're going to want to lean forward and grab the rope. But you're going to have to trust that rope, and you're going to lean back, and you're going to start down. 
and 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 the Lord is 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 that blue rope. So I encourage you guys. Let, let's go down. Let's get the helmets, uh, and, and let's this this talk is posing. Um, man, I I live. Um, I grew up in Merkle, right outside of Abilene. Went to school at Merkle High School. Went straight to work for my dad. Second generation in a oil and gas trucking business. Uh, we haul water, and so pretty simple business, straightforward. Um, I, I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up with a great dad. My dad was, and there's people, there's men in here that know my dad. He he's a great man. But growing up, uh, my source of my source of accomplishment or success um, was 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 really viewed on how hard you worked, how much money you made. Um, didn't really matter if. if you know what time you got in at night, or how late you stayed out, um, it, and so those were the those were kind of the goggles I started my career out with, and so what what that happened and what that led me um, to operating is I, I was I had my identity in in our in in our family business, and and I, I wanted you to know um, me through that business because I c- I could control that. Um, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have any emotions. I, I, um, I, I was, I, gr- entitlement was, was a word that described me, um, egotistical. Um, I would go to church. I would, I would spend time with the family, but it was, I was not intentional about anything. The only thing I was intentional about was, working hard in the business and fixating on that very one dimensional and so long story short fast forwarding through that um through my 30s man that attitude and that weight of 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 tackling life without without that blue rope without a a spiritual foundation uh led me into alcoholism um led led me into multiple affairs with my wife, uh, no relationship with my kids. And because what I was doing is what posing is to, is rebelling from God, being something that you're not created to be. See, I was, I was thinking that I was this, this rough, tough oil field guy, right? And I was second generation and I could just go and do it. And, and I didn't need to, to really, I was prepared. And, and where that led me was, was was down a road where the weight was so heavy, I was ready to break. Uh, I w- I was able to set in earlier and, and read some of the cards last night, and I I got choked up because I I w- I am that person on those cards, broken, no way out, the way of the world, uh, su- success. Me- I've measured my value through success. What the world views me as and and nobody needs to carry that burden and and so the the highlight of all this is not me it's Jesus is Lord it's our Savior he's he he wants a relationship with us he and he he's going to give you an opportunity all of us to have that you have to make the decision 
you have to make the decision you want it. And, and just like that flipping on and that blue rope, you got to learn to trust it. And you're going to get it right at first. You're going to bump your elbows. Lean back. Trust it. Um, man, through, through this process, um, God, God is good, man. Being free is trusting the Lord, being free, uh, being able to get back into the family business. I approach it from a, a totally different, I, I, okay, I'm 250-pound truck driver, right? Grew up in the Oldfield family. I'm supposed to be a tough guy. You know what I do? I can hardly have a meeting without crying. I'm 100% relational. My whole life I pose. I never cry. My wife never seen me cry. Um, I thought you were to, you know, when you confronted a man, you were stern and, and you held him accountable. And if it was my way or the highway, really, what the Lord has shown me that it's right the opposite, that I can be compassionate and that that's the nature of him. Being direct and loving accountability is the nature of the Lord. So those are just some areas that looking back, um, on my past of posing and what l- the Lord has showed me to, to be a leader or to work in a, a, a business and hold people accountable in a loving way and, uh, and really glorify God. But at first, it starts with trusting the Lord. So anyway, I'm a, it's my honor to be able to introduce Zach Vassar. He's going to unpack this for you guys uh, very well. Um, I get the privilege of working with Zach uh, on a daily basis. Uh, we pray together, and we hold each other accountable. And um, if it wasn't for guys like Zach in my life that the Lord has put there, um, I, I posing is one of those things like drinking or porn or something like that. You walk away, you, you know, you can put down and walk away from. Posing is one of those things that, for me, I have to kind of daily repent of or or at least, you know, catch myself, have discernment in, because it's easy to get to believe in that, hey, um, this is this is how I need to, to act to, to be this way. Um, and so, anyway, Zach does a great job of, of uh, identifying that that in men and pulling them out in them. So I'm very grateful. So I'm going to introduce Zach Vassar, please. Come on, come on. Like Chuck, give me a time to shut up. Man, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus over every man in this room. I pray over every heart. God, I ask that every heart would be surrendered to what you have to talk to every man. God, you aren't a man that picks. You chose every guy in this room. Every single heart in this room, you want to touch and impact specifically to that guy's heart. God, I pray that there be no condemnation over anything that would be said in the next hour or discussed in the fire team or anything moving on from here, that every change will be set in motion through conviction, through conviction to change, to restore a life, to heal a marriage, to heal a family, to heal a generation, to heal legacies. To shift things in motion, to change things, to, to reclaim things that may have been lost in a guy's life that he didn't even know was lost. To get out of agreement with the enemy, I bind it up all in the name of Jesus. All right, so, poser. When Randy said a few months back, or asked me if I would talk about poser, the first thought I had was, 
I guess I have to stop posing. <laughs> because I may be the most qualified guy. A lot of times we say, I, you know, God uses the unqualified. And I, 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 that sets in my heart too. Because I know there's a lot of guys who come up here and talk about this. But when it comes down to all the little details of a ways a man can pretend to be something that he's not created to be or to try to impress another man or seek approval from something that did not create him, I am a poster child of that. But I'm also redeemed and I'm totally surrendered to talk to you guys. And I don't wear any of that. But God has saved my life. And he'll save yours too. And some of you guys, he's already done that. But I want, I want to be very clear about something. Is I don't care if this is your very first time to be here or you've pastored a church for 30 years. I don't care. The truth is, God doesn't need any of us. He doesn't need you. He wants you. He wants you. And none of us, none of us, from what I just said, first guy in to whoever the most righteous guy is in the room, the enemy doesn't care. He doesn't care one bit about any of that. So the first thing I want to do is just kill all comparison right here for the rest of this boot camp. Can we do that? Can we stop having pissing matches in the fire teams? Can we do that? So I'm, I'll be honest, man, I'm right in the middle of a battle right now as I'm talking in a couple different ways. But I, I, know, I know there's testing in that and trials, and I know to count them in joy. So I also want this message to be fun. Because you know what happens when, when, it, when a guy gets real with where he wants to be and where he's not at in life? Is I think God smiles and is rejoicing that his son is recognizing who he created him to be. That it's a good thing. It may be a hard thing, but it's a good thing. Poser. Pretending to be something that you're not. Usually to impress other people. It's like hypocrite, imitating, pretending, showing off, dramatics, theatrical. Typically, the thing a poser will do will make fun of another poser because he doesn't like the thing that's on that guy that's actually on him. I did that a lot. I've judged a lot of people. The opposite of a poser would be like genuine, authentic, real, true, sincere, honest, direct, straightforward. Sounds like a good dad, huh? So the question has to be, if posing's about pretending to be something that you're not, you got to first write down and say, well, who am I? And we got to dig into that. And today, and we're going to keep digging into that. I also think it helps to know how you got here and, and how to get out. Anybody feel like you're stuck? Anybody feel trapped in here? It's okay. I mean, only one? Good. Now I have a goal. But deep down inside, there's also a challenge of have I got what it takes? Have I got what it takes to really, truly do the things that I'm seeing other people walk out in? You get attracted to a guy for something that 
maybe he has on his life, maybe the, the way he is as a man or just how he carries himself with the authority that he has or maybe the way he parents or he watches from afar. You know, I got, I got guys like most of you guys do too. You kind of watch certain people from a long distance. They have no idea you're watching them, but you're always watching because there's something, you know what I'm talking about? Because there's something about that that attracts. And you know what that is? It's the Jesus inside that man's heart that attracts your attention to that, even if you don't know who that is. And the good news is, is that guy probably poses sometimes too. So there's two stages. I want to divide this up. And I'll tell you a little bit about my past, but I don't want to make it about that either. I kind of got a windshield view on this deal. The only reason I would tell you anything up here about me or what I've been through or, or what the God has helped me overcome is to honor and glorify him, period, the end. Just like Bo right here, man. It ain't about him. It's so much not about him that sometimes people don't even understand that. But I think there is two stages in everybody's life. In stage one, I'm going to read it. The Lord gave me this a few weeks ago. You may not be able to write this. I'm going to talk fast, listen fast. You don't see yourself the way God sees you. You aren't receiving the fullness of the Father's heart simply because you haven't fully surrendered to him yet. You're probably ashamed of something. You believe some sort of lie that God doesn't want to forgive you or that he can't. Whatever you've done is too bad for him. Or you think you have to earn his love, and you just don't see yourself ever measuring up, and because of that, you feel guilty. Anybody? Then there's stage two. God has showed you how he sees you somewhere in your journey, and you've been touched by that. And I'm not necessarily talking about salvation. I'm talking more about identity. If, if you've come into this place of going, I'm, I'm starting to understand I'm starting to understand that I'm not an orphan, that I, I'm now a son. The cross actually means I'm a, I, have, I have an inheritance that is mine, that I have an authority I can carry. You do see yourself the way God sees you. You know who God created you to be, but you aren't doing anything about it. You're afraid. You hide. You know you've been called to do something higher, and you're running from it, essentially, what you're doing is disobeying. And I relate to that a lot. So stage one, let's unpack it a little bit. I think it's really just fear of exposure, man. When I, when I, when I, so my background is, I, I played sports my whole life growing up. My dad was involved, but not. He drove a truck. Ironically, now I work for a trucking company. I don't even know, man, I don't even know what a, how to crank a wrench. But... It's an interesting dynamic. <laughs> but I grew up wanting approval from my dad. I grew up with a dad that never said, I'm proud of you, and he never said, I love you. And it hurt, and I carried that. So what I did is I gravitated to men who would tell me I did a good job coaching. I could perform there, and because I could perform there, I could get pats on the back, and because I could get pats on the back, I could get, I could get what I thought was being fulfilled. Anybody relate to that? So I just grew up doing that, and I went to college, played football. Uh, I loved it so much, I paid money to play it <laughs> at a very small level. Um, but in that journey, I got exposed to things that, uh, as a little kid, molestation, uh, pornography at a young age, and I carried those things, and you know, I just, it all twisted up, and I actually became the guy that was all upfront about that stuff, like in high school and college. I mean, there are guys, there are guys, me and some, there are men in this room that, that we ran other guys out of college because that's how aggressive we were with being in just in a, in a dark place. 
And then I met the woman that I was going to marry. And for the first time, instead of, instead of living in this sinful sexual life, I started hiding it for the first time ever at like 22 years old or something. And that's when that sin started going inside. And it ate differently. It was more toxic. I can't really explain it. But what it was is it was hiding, man. I was Adam. I knew I was doing something wrong. I'd never been touched by God or knew how I was created to be. So I was posing in that stage one kind of way. I didn't know it, but that's what I was doing. I was running and hiding. That's it. Scared to death, man, that, that she may find out. And if she did, and you know what happens is you just, well, you know, I'll just, I'll, that leads to alcohol. It leads to you name it. And I go down the road. I, I become a high school football coach and have, have some success. And kind of like what Bo is talking about, man, I'm just chasing these titles and running full speed, moving my family all over the place. And if you ask the average person in the community that I was coaching, they would say, man, that's, a, that's an awesome family. The Vassars, that's an awesome family. They're so, they got it all together, man. What a great family. What they don't know is at night, I'm sexting with a player's mom for three years. Totally caught up in an affair. Just totally twisted. Hiding, running, scared to death. And believing the lie that if I expose this, I'm going to lose every single thing in my life. So then I got to a place where I'd just rather be dead. Anybody ever feel that? I know how it feels. And so what happens along the journey of life when you're doing this, and it could be anything. This isn't a pornography speech. That was just one of my vices. Whatever it is that you're hiding from, that you're fearful to expose, whatever you're posing, it's, it's owning you. Or trying to. Because... Like we said last night, y'all know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's like we, we know that, but do we do anything about it? But what he can't do is own you. He's trying to own you. That's why it's a thief. It's a stealer. You were bought. You were purchased. We were all bought with the blood. So there's a lie right there in, in thinking and believing that you're owned by that. But I know that's what you, what you think. I've thought that. But what it does is it affects your friendships, man. You make friendships with a guy, y'all become best buddies, and you're posing of who you are, and he's posing of who he is, and really, are you even friends? Do you even really know each other? Well, and then you marry some girl, like I did, and same thing happens. And when you start having kids, and we don't even really know who, who the other is because we don't know who, who I am. She doesn't know who she is. So this thing isn't about your wife either. This isn't some message to come here and how can I get the secret recipe to fix my wife. This is about you and a revival in the mirror is what it's about. It's about you coming to terms that by surrendering your life to something more powerful than anything else out there in the universe, that you actually have a shot. It's not just about resist the devil. It's submit to God. Resist the devil. Try this one over here, you'll just keep posing. It's about submission. The world will tell you that you look like, a, like you're weak if you, if you submit. You should be strong and proud and finish strong. That's what sports taught me. You don't ever walk off the field. you got to finish. Every single day, run through the brick wall. You do all those things, and those things are great, but they're not who you're created to be. Creeps in your marriage, creeps in the way you, you raise your kids, man family, extended family. I read those cards too, man. I got issues there too. Tough ones. Work, 
money. What happens is, and I'm going to talk about this more, but I want to introduce this thought into your minds. The world teaches you that you have to do something so that you can have something so that you can become something. That's what it does. You might want to write that down. I'm going to come back to it. The world has taught you you have to do something so you can have something so that you can become something. I want you to know that is not only a lie, that is the original lie. And the first guy that bought that lie didn't even, he, he, he didn't even know there was an enemy really. We know. I mean, how dumb can we be? And again, I'm talking about myself. Please understand that. Or what about at church? Maybe you pose at church. You don't have to raise your hand. The posers already know you're posing because they're posing. They see it on you because it's on them. In fact, you could go to church and say, all the posers go over here. And everyone would just, if they really did it, and they would all go over there and go, I knew it. I saw that. It's like those bees they were talking about at Word Spirit Power Conference last year. I'm not going to get into that, but they fight each other to the death when they're first born trying to pollinate one flower because they can't stand the aroma the other one puts off because it's the same as its own. It's like getting freaked out at the person at the red light on their cell phone, cussing them out, and then two lights later, you're doing the same thing. It's <laughs> Y'all do that? Sure. <laughs> but you hide, man. Here's what happens. We all do it. We hide. Just like Adam. They knew they weren't saying, hey, God said, you get all of this stuff, all of it. But that over there, don't mess with that one. They do it. They screw it up. And what do they do? Shame, fear, guilt, hide, and they run from the Father. Y'all know the story, man. It, it ain't any different. And so then God shows up. There's more to that. Before we get into that, let's play this first clip. In 2045, Columbus is the fastest growing city on earth. It's where Halliday and Morrow started gregarious games. These days, reality is a bummer. Everyone's looking for a way to escape. And that's why Halliday, that's why he was such a hero to us. He showed us that we could go somewhere without going anywhere at all. You don't need a destination when you're running on an omnidirectional treadmill with quadraphonic pressure-sensitive underlay. James Halliday saw the future, and then he built it. He gave us a place to go, a place called the Oasis. This is the Oasis. It's a place where the limits of reality are your own imagination. You can do anything. Go anywhere. Like the vacation planets. Surf a 50-foot monster wave in Hawaii 
You can ski down the pyramids. You can climb Mount Everest with Batman. Check out this place. It's a casino the size of a planet. You can lose your money there. You can get married. You can get divorced. You can, you can go in there. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do, but they stay because of all the things they can be. Tall, beautiful, scary, a different sex, a different species, live action, cartoon. It's all your call. Yeah, that's me. Well, that's my avatar. At least until I feel like changing. Except for eating, sleeping, and bathroom breaks, whatever people want to do, they do it in the Oasis. And since everyone is here, this is where we meet each other. It's where we make friends. Locate H. Did you really catch it? It's not just about the chameleon and go be this color and this color and this color and this guy over here and this guy over there and this guy over there. It's people escape to some sort of place because they can do what they want to do so they can be whoever they want to be. So you just run away from the things that are hard. Like whenever I was in my storm, what was hard was my home. I was coaching a lot of hours. I was hiding in infidelity. I had no idea what was going on in my house. I was running full speed from it, and I would just escape. You know why I would escape from it? Because it feels good. Because you're in control. I could win in the places I can escape. If I get out of reality, as long as I'm posing, I can run away from that, and I feel like I could win. It's a place I could be in charge. Any of you feel like you're in a battle to win, win the authority over in your home? Nobody? Got some bad moms back home. But in that place where you escape, it's all about you. There's no surrender, man. It's just a big trap. It's called pride. Just like a lid. It's just titled pride, and it just screws down, and it can even get glued on. You ever try to get a lid off a jar? It just won't come off. It can get as tight as you want to let it get. But here's the places you might escape to. These are all places I've escaped to. Work. Why? Because I can cut up in the field house with the guys I drink beer with, and I can win there because it's my escape. So I'll just stay there. Even though we're putting in 70 hours, well, I'll just stay and put in 85. Doing what for 15 hours a week? Sitting with my feet crossed over on top of my desk, missing life. It doesn't have to be coaching. Dude, this isn't a charge against coaches, man. Coaches changed my life. If it weren't for coaches, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Not even close. Alcohol. I mean, I just drowned it. Hunting. I'm not a hunter, but I know some of you guys will sure escape there. Well, you'll get to that deer blind. I grew up in Lano, Texas. I know all about it. All about it. I've never shot a deer. <laughs> That's a poser, I guess. <laughs> I've shot a lot of raccoons. Video games. i be honest with you, I don't really relate to this. But I know, I know it's real. I know it's real. Some of you guys escaped there. Some of you guys escaped there. And, and man, you, I mean, I've read articles of little kids who sit there and piss their pants and not even go to the bathroom playing video games because they're so stuck in escape. Think about that. When you're escaping in that little world and your kids are watching that. Gambling. I had a buddy tell me a couple years ago that I was helping take through some stuff. The Lord had connected us. And he asked me if gambling on college football games was a bad deal. He was spending $20,000, $30,000 a year. And I said, I don't know, man. That's a good question. 
And uh, he said, well, what do you think? And I said, I don't think it's uh, gambling that is your issue. I think that you had to turn your back to your wife to come over here and tell me about it. Porn. Everyone in here has probably looked at it. And everyone in here knows the disgusting feeling, the stain that you have when you're done. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. But I understand it's a place you can control. You can, you can, you can dial it down to any little color, any little size, any little, however you want it. Drugs. I got caught up in drugs. Praise God, not as bad as some. But I've got, a, I've got a family that battles it. I've got some that are lost because of it. I've seen it cripple people. And typically it cripples the people around you. Church. You can escape to church. What about boot camp? You might have just came here just to get away, man. Just get away from the noise. I just come to boot camp every year just to get away from the noise. How about come here to meet Jesus and to get transformed? I'm so thankful for Bo Dunnigan. Because I know who he is. And he knows who I am. The world will tell you, you can't work with your friends. Lie. I had a storm hit yesterday. It's the first person I went to. Why do you think I went to him first? Because I know that he knows who he is. And I'm trusting in the Lord in that. It isn't even about him. And he knows that. But there's a powerful thing there in a real true friendship. There was that day where I had to come clean, man, with my wife. And I started unpacking this pornography issue and just all sorts of other things. I've spent thousands of dollars in that world. And she forgave me, like, right out of the gate. She even told me she was proud of me, something my dad had never said. And I couldn't understand it. Couldn't understand it. Next day I come home from work, kids are out of the house, she's crying on the couch, and I just knew, here it goes, man. I'm fixing to lose it all. Come to find out she had, she had, she was posing a little bit too. Posing with my best friend, first year we were married. She'd been carrying that shame for eight and a half years. We'd been on vacations together with them. We were broke, and I had to tell her more. And we were on what I like to call Bear Island, and I ain't talking about Bear Naked Island. I'm talking about Bear, like, it's about to eat your head off island. And I didn't see that bear coming. I, I didn't see that. But, man, let me tell you what. I, my wife and I, we are totally freed from that, totally. And I like to say we got an Abraham marriage. And I'm not saying that to say look at our marriage. I'm saying it's for your marriage, too. It's for you, too. You can walk in total, complete freedom. You can do that. You're looking at a guy that had two kids and never had sex with his wife. Think about that. There's, there's no love when you're hiding in fear and shame and guilt and don't know the Father and how he sees you or what your identity is. There's some of you guys in here have never made love to the person God has connected you to be with. You're missing it. 
you're missing it. I saw that Tessin High School kid, and it went way over their head one day. <laughs> Some of y'all are there. <laughs> They'll get it one day. Hopefully it saved their life before they get in that rut. But man, you know, what, what I was saying about our marriage is, I like, my wife pointed this out to me the other day, is I think we have an Abraham marriage. And what I mean by that is, whenever we finally surrendered and we got real, here was the deal. She was willing to lose it all to gain what the Lord had for her, even it meant, if it meant losing me and our girls. She was willing to do that. She was willing to sacrifice what was most important to her. And so was I. I can look her right in the face and say, I love you, baby, but you are not more important than my father. And she would say the same thing to me. And in, and in part, it's because there's men like Chad Haley in the room that modeled that for me, and I didn't know what that was until I saw a guy that had that, and I wanted it. Mm. You have no idea what kind of impact you make by just being who you're created to be. Just have no idea. So then you go to stage two. In, in that moment, we got healed, man. My wife and I, we, we got our lives is restored. The, fa the father came into our life and healed us. He, he, he removed addictions of pornography and alcohol and all that stuff. Really, it was just these my escape places. He just taught me I don't have to escape to those places anymore. Just be home, and man, be, have fun. You have a great life. You have a great marriage. You, I've, look what I've created. Look what I've done for you. I just, you know, it makes you blind. You just miss it. My wife would say the same thing. And that's all glory to God, man. Without him, none of that happens. Without forgiveness, none of that happens. Because he forgave her and because he forgave me, we're able to forgive each other in a way that we can actually be a, a covenant, a marriage. Two, be, two can become one. And I know that doesn't speak to everybody in the room. Some of you guys aren't married. But I'm speaking into your future marriages in a way that I, I would have wished I could have got into mine. But so stage two, how many of you guys know who you are in Christ? Yes. I mean, you know, you've been touched. Remember that time you were touched? It just hit you. Maybe you were journaling it. It may happen today. Did anybody get that revelation today? You got it today? For the first time? First time? Reaffirmation? Did anybody get the first time? It's coming, guys, who were raising your hand earlier. It's coming, I promise, because I can tell you how to do it. I can tell you the answer to that. Just hang with me for a little bit longer. But for us guys who have, let's go back to this do have be thing. I was talking about that was the first sin. Remember the original one? Is that not what the enemy came on the scene and told them? God said you can't have that. Why would he do that? He just knows that if you eat that, you'll have the knowledge of good and evil. And if you have the knowledge of good and evil, you'll be like God. So if you'll just do this, you can have that and you can be that. That's the same old song and dance that we're dealing with today. Y'all understand that? You know what the reality is? What the Father says? He says just the opposite. Here's who you are, son. You have all, all that you can see. You're an heir to my throne. You have an inheritance of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You have, I've given you all of, of everything I could give you. And because of that, you can do anything that you'd ever want to do. 
So the truth is, be, have, do. The lie is, do, have, be. You guys understand that? It's exactly what Bo Dunnigan was just talking about. He went from that. I went from that. Right, Bo? I'm do and have so I can be. Some whatever that looks like in whatever circles you're trying to impress. I've been in all of them. I've tried to impress them all. Especially the money one. It'll chew you up and spit you out. But it's the same recipe, man. It's the same thing. And what happens with, when you're trying to impress people is then it becomes about performance. And when it becomes about performance, the spirit of comparison has a way to get in. You're performing against what you see, what you think is what you see, and it's really not that. You know, someone said this earlier. Uh, I can't remember who was talking. I think it was Eddie. Um, one of the three things he said, I think it was Eddie or it was Coach Conley. Maybe it was Coach Conley. He talked about it's not what you see. I think about this river. Anybody look at this river? If you were to ask my daughter, she's seven years old, which way, Lexi, is that river running? She'd say that way. Because, I mean, it just looks like it's running that way. But have y'all ever gone down there and seen those the dams and where it's really running? Which way is it really running? That way. Man, the truth's in the current. It ain't what you see. So you got to get down inside of what's going on to figure out which way it's flowing. Each one of you have that in you. But you got to get inside. You may have to open up to let someone get in there with you. It's amazing what happens when someone gets in there with you. They want to get in there with you. Father wants to get in there with you. He wants. He doesn't need to, but he wants to. Another thing that happens once you've been touched and you understand this identity thing is you also understand fear of the Lord. How many guys understand fear of the Lord? How many guys don't understand fear of the Lord? I thought my whole life it meant just I'm afraid. Be, be, he's scary. He's scary. He'll come down and wrath, that kind of thing. Fear of the Lord is I just don't want to disappoint. I know him so well, and he has done so much in my life. I just don't want to disappoint him anymore. So now when I pose, there's a stain that comes on me, and it immediately, it's like swallow, I was telling Lance earlier, it's like swallowing a hot piece of coal. It happens immediately. You guys know what I'm talking about? It, you just forget who you are, man, when that happens. It's simple, but it happens. Can we play that next clip? I think you're a little confused. Wrong. I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know. Sure do. You're Mufasa's boy. Hi. Hey, wait. You know my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on.
that's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look at that. You see, he lives in you. Go back. I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. I get emotional because I think I got kids. <laughs> You know why he got stuck? First thing he did is he ran. He bought a lie. We've seen the movie. Had to have. If not, I think they're making a real one. Soon. But he ran and hid. You know what he ended up with? A meerkat and a, a hog. Whatever it is. Two things he wasn't designed to be with. He's in the wrong huddle. And what happens when you get in the wrong huddle? You conform. You become who you spend your time with. Some guys got to prune some people out of their life. He got in that circle, and that circle taught him akuna matata. No worries. Life's just free. No problem, free philosophy, or however the song goes. Talk about a bucket of crap. Since I stepped off the bus, I've been getting my ass whooped. But I ain't, I ain't backing down from it. Because I haven't forgotten who I am. It's just that simple. It's that simple. You know what he ended up doing? He ended up running back in. He took the land back. You've seen the story, man. I don't care about ruining it. I don't care about in-game stuff and all that other stuff. He went back and took what was his. That's what he did. That's what we're designed to do, man. We're created to do that kind of stuff. But you've got to look down inside yourself and see how God sees you. That's it. That's it. That's what it takes. But the real answer, the simple, the simplified version is, you know what you have to do? You have to repent. Period. Some of us haven't repented. You know what I like talking to Bo about repentance. You know what repentance is? Just turn away. Turn back the other direction. You're walking this way. Oh, I need to repent. And then you walk this way. We make it too hard. We, like, we, we make this religiosity factory out of the word repent like it's an eight-step process. No, it's something you probably ought to be doing eight times a day. Some of us, we get so good, we don't, we don't repent for weeks, months, and we wonder what's going on. How did I get lost? How did I get stuck? How did I end up here? That and confess. If you've got conviction stirring up in your heart about something that you want to change, confess it. Bring it to the light. Cut talked about it. When you bring things to the light, they become exposed. When they become exposed, they can be forgiven. They can be healed. 
It's just what it is. That's exactly what happened in my life. There wasn't a secret for that. It was, it's just right here. It's plain as day. Like God wants you to understand that. It's not, a hard, it's not hard to grasp. The enemy wants you to think it's hard to grasp. He wants you to think it's a, you know, I don't, who know, like just this incredibly difficult concept. There's this, and it's these desperations. Like, I understand you won't expose yourself until you get to a certain place. I call it intolerability. There's like four, follow me real quick. There's four stages of desperation. First, you know there's a problem. Anyone here got a problem? You got trouble going on in your life? Okay, you got a problem. You're aware. But you had not done anything about it? Anybody got a problem and hadn't done anything about it yet? Well, you're going to stay right there. Just the truth, man. You're aware. You, I was aware I had a sexual problem for like 32 years. Long time. Didn't do anything about it. Then... Something happens, some little shift, you come to a boot camp, and you, you begin to do some of the same things. It starts to sting a little bit, like I was talking about. Burns different. It's like that piece of coal you swallow. Some of you guys got, got coal in your belly, don't you? Anybody got coal in your belly? You saw, something burning in there? Nobody? <laughs> don't worry about your fire team guy looking at you to see who's raising their hands or group. He's got it too. Any fire team leaders in here, got, stand up if you're a fire team leader and you have got something in you that you really still need to get out of you or off of you. If you're a fire team leader and you've got something going on, amen. Sit down, thank you. You are not alone. You are not alone. But you're aware, and then it starts to sting. That's phase two. The third stage, desperation, would be embarrassing. And this is that exposure place. Somebody finds out about your problem. You're on drugs. They find out. A little embarrassing, right? But it's getting exposed. The enemy will say it's a, it, it's a crippler in your life, but the reality is you're almost there. Fourth stage. You've been aware long enough. It's stung long enough. It's embarrassed you enough. To where you draw the line in the sand and you step over the line of intolerability. I'm done tolerating what the enemy is taking away from my life. I am done tolerating what the enemy is taking away from who God created me to be. I'm taking my family back. It's starting with me in the mirror. I'm having a revival inside my own life. I'm going to win my marriage over. I'm going to fix the things that are going on. And I'm going to do it because I submit my life to Jesus Christ and surrender and quit trying to fight the battle with my fists and my hands and all this stuff. And I just stand in the gap in a huddle with other men who want to do it with you. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's the, that's the answer. But you, nobody can do that for you. You have to, you have to become intolerable. And some of y'all are just hanging on, man. It's like the cliff Bo was talking about. You are just, I mean, somebody just go, and you'll just, you're right there. You're right there, and you want approval. You guys know, you know when you sin, when, when you're posing, which is sinning, when you're doing that, and shame comes immediately onto the scene. Do you know what the opposite of shame is? Honor and approval. Isn't that amazing? We're posing because we want approval. In the light, you get approval. The enemy is, is a, he is a, just a liar. It is, it's not real difficult. He just calls what, what is this, he calls it this. He's just the opposite. It's like opposite day in, in, in enemy's world. Remember that little game you played as a kid? It's opposite day. That's him. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14, here's what it says. 
You can write it down. You don't, just Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. For you were once darkness, <clears throat> but now you're in the light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. It's even shameful to mention that disobedience, what, what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Read the word and own it. It was written for you. It is a personal thing. It is a living word of God. And it's the truth. It's just the truth. I just get the sense that you guys are ready, man. Some of you guys are just ready. Some of you guys, you're just tired, man. And I know that because I know exactly what that feels like. And, and, it, and maybe it's not porn. Maybe it's just something real simple. You know, maybe it's, it's, it's just a, I'm trying to measure up to, to be a great dad and I'm falling short. That's, that's one of the things I have going on right now, man. The enemy's wearing me out about it. I've been studying the Father Heart of God for like a year. They've had me teach this freaking class so many times. I, it's, it's all I've been doing for the last year. The Father Heart of God, the Father Heart of God, the Father Heart of God. It's like when you read so many leadership books, you think you suck as a leader. This is starting to happen to me in the Father Heart of God. Like the enemy's using this. He's saying, you suck as a dad. But what's happening is I'm, I feel like I'm trying to cut myself measuring up to the Father. You know you can't be him. Okay, so just stop. Like, so what do you do? Repent. Confess, surrender. Man, thank you. Thank you for, for giving me a life that I can just surrender to you and you can be you can be through me to my kids. In a way that whenever they learn the Father Heart of God, it'll just be an on-ramp. They don't have to learn it in the bar ditch like I did. They can just they can catch it because because by the grace of God, the way that you healed my life, I can I can just model and I can own the word and I can speak it into them. Instead of beating the Bible over their head all 24-7, you got to do this and 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 do this. How about just love them and forgive them and show them compassion in the heart of the Father? Love them unconditionally. But love accountability. Right? Bo? That doesn't mean let your kids walk all over you. It means stand firm. Get in the word. You can't own and know the word if you don't get in the word. It just is what it is, man. There's no... Can't, there's no other way. I want to read one more scripture over you guys. And then I'm going to have ask for Scott Goolsby to come up, man. He's got something to Lord. Scott, Scott's a very gifted man um, because he's surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And when a man has surrendered his life to the Father and asked the Holy Spirit to come into his life, he's able to do some things. And, and, the, and the Lord gave Scott a word um, on the way down here, I believe. And really, really in the process uh, of the last week or so, he's going to share it with you. But I'm not, I'm not going to ruin it. He's on his way up here. But on his way up here, I want to read James 5, 13 through 7. James 5, 13, 13 through, uh, I'm sorry, 13 through 17. Mine, mine is the title. It says, The Prayer of Faith. Is anyone among you in trouble? Anyone in here feel like you're in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone in here happy? Praise the Lord. Let them sing songs of praise. Haven't we been doing that? Is anyone among you sick? Anybody here sick? Let them call the elders of the church or the leaders here to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will rise them up. 
if they have sinned. Anyone in here sinned? You got some things you're still hiding? If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I'm going to say that last part one time, one more time. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. That's a promise. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I love you guys, man. I love being a part of, of this. I love it. God, I love you. God's got a word for you guys, man. Tear it up. I don't know if Zach knows or not, but he's probably going to be a men's pastor one day. I think the Lord's grooming him for it. So does anybody here have kids? Yeah. So God teaches me a lot through my kids. He really teaches me a lot about his love through my children. Uh, With that said, I'm going to share a lesson Um, that he taught me through my son Ryan actually last week and uh, as he was teaching that to me I really feel like it was for you guys as well as for me Uh, it relates to the father heart so we are in the process of building a swimming pool at our house and uh, I have an open ditch from the side of my house all the way around to the pool as you guys know that live in Abilene we have had a lot of rain since I pressed the go button on building a swimming pool I've made the joke a few times that if uh, God has the opportunity to teach Scott Gould to be patient, he never passes it up. Anyways, my son, one of his friends, and his cousin, one day after a rainstorm, decided they were going to get these really big rocks that were left over from uh, tiling the pool and rocking the pool. They decided they were going to throw it in this ditch where the pipes were. I didn't know about it at the time until one of my daughters came and snitched him out. And uh, I went out there and examined. And so they didn't just throw rocks in one spot of the ditch, okay? They started at the pool and went all the way around to where the equipment was going to be. So I, I scolded him. He got in trouble. And uh, I told him he was going to help me fix it, and he was going to pay for it. Obviously, PVC doesn't cost that much, and he had the money, but I wanted him to learn a lesson. And uh, his immediate response was uh, he was sorry, and he was, he was actually crying, and uh, I told him that I forgive him. And uh, so a few days later, actually Tuesday, before we come to boot camp, it, it had kind of dried out enough to start fixing the repairs. But what had happened was is, All the rain had washed this dirt on top of all these pipes, and it was a muddy, muddy mess. I did not want to get in the ditch and dig it out, but in order to repair it, I had to do it. So actually, I got a head start. I I took off work early and went home and uh, got on some old clothes and jumped in the ditch and started digging out this mud. His mother went and got him from school, and I told her, I said, before you get the girls, bring him home so he can, he can help me. So he gets home, and uh, he immediately gets in the ditch, and we begin the repairs. Um, 
of the damage that was done caused by sin, obviously, not on purpose. I don't think he did it on purpose, but him and his buddies decided, hey, let's, let's see what we can do. So anyways, uh, I found three broken pipes and uh, actually I had to go to the store and, and get some high pressure couplings to fix it. So we jump in the truck and we're leaving and he looks at me and he says, Dad, I'm sorry. I said, I forgive you, son. He told me, he said, Dad, at least, at least I don't have to do it by myself. And I'm like, whew, I almost, almost wanted to cry about that for a minute. The Lord started speaking to me about how he deals with us, okay? The Lord is in the ditch waiting for us to get in the ditch with him so he can repair the things that are broken in our life. He loves us. He wants to be in that ditch. I wanted to help my son fix it because I love my son and he loves y'all. So, Wednesday night, we're praying and I share the story with the leadership team. After I shared it, Kevin actually brought another piece to me and it was very valuable. Not only did he not have to do it by himself because nobody here that is broken has to walk through it by themselves. The father's already in the ditch with his hand out saying, let's do this together. But my son did not have the capacity to fix it by himself. Okay? You guys do not have the capacity to repair what is broken by yourself. Okay? How many times have we tried to fix ourselves by ourselves and failed? I've done it. Okay? I wasn't able to become the man of God I am today until I surrendered. Okay? So I wanted to give this message to you guys and tell you, don't leave here without getting in the ditch with the Lord and allowing Him to repair the things in your life. Now you have the opportunity. You're not alone. Not only do you have the Father, you have brothers. Okay, 90% of the work that is done in your life is going to be through your brothers. God is going to move through your brothers. Okay. So now um, it's time to break out into our fire teams. And I'm supposed to let you guys know that dinner is at 7.